John 3.16, everybody knows that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Everybody knows that. But did you know that your understanding of who God is, understanding his character and understanding his attributes and understanding the way that he loves you will change the impact and the value and the implication of that verse in your life. The more you grow in your understanding of God, the more that verse will be changed in your life. The impact and the value of that verse will be changed in your life. O Lord our God, how great thou art. Everybody knows that. I was thinking about it this morning as I was singing to myself, which is important, where it says, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And I think to myself, I wonder how many people can say, it is from my most inner being, it is from my soul, from my core, that I sing to God how great thou art. I wonder this morning if you love God. I wonder if you love him with everything that you are. I wonder if he's the priority in your life. I wonder if there's nothing in your life that's more important to God. I wonder if there's anything that would take precedence over your personal relationship with God. Do you love God today? I want you to know this morning, and I tell you the truth, I'm as sincere as I know how to be, that if I was granted a wish, if I could have one thing, if I could have anything, anything at all that I wanted this morning, this is what I would want. I would want all of the people who come and gathered at Avalon Church today to love Jesus with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, and with all of their being. I really would. More than a million dollars, Dale? More than a million dollars. I want you to know what it's like to love Him with everything that you are. I would give anything. I would give anything if you could love Him like that. Well, this is Easter Sunday. We have larger crowds than we normally have here at Avalon Church. This is our third service, which, by the way, is my favorite. Because <laughs> this one don't have to be an hour long. So we have crowds that are, are, are larger than, than usual here in our services. And I want everybody to fall in love with Jesus. I want them to love Him with all of their heart. So, so that's a lot of pressure. Right? Oh God, give me the right words to say that would draw people to you. Give me the right words to say that people would see you. Give me the right words to say, help us to do it the right way. Help us to, to, to get them to come back next Sunday. That's really important, Lord. we got to get them to come back next Sunday. Help me to tell them about all the different ministries we have. I want to entertain them. I want them to be comfortable. I want them to be happy. I, I, Lord, I just want them to love you. I bet you, all over this city, all over this state, all over this country, pastors everywhere are feeling the pressure. They got to give you the truth. They got to 
They got to get you to love. They got to get you to come back. They got to get you to be involved. I began to wonder how Jesus would speak to a crowd. There are often times in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that we would see Jesus have an opportunity to speak to large crowds. Let's call them Easter crowds. And so I began to read in some of the occasions that Jesus would speak to large crowds because I would be interested in knowing what he had to say. I just have to believe that he would make it really, really interesting, right? That he would make it understandable. That he would kind of speak in such a way that people were just drawn to them. He would make it simple. Easy to understand. And so I looked for some examples in the gospel as of Jesus speaking in a crowd. And I, I found one chapter that started something like this. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said to them, I thought, yeah, I'm going to learn from this one. I can learn from this one maybe what to say on Easter Sunday morning. Great crowds had heard about Jesus. They were interested in him, wanted to know a little bit more about him. They had heard about the miracles that he had done. They had heard about his teaching. And as he traveled up in the Galilean area, there were people from town after town after town that came. And here's what Jesus said to them. Here's his Easter sermon. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And along the path, and um, excuse me, and some of the seed fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was done. And he turned and walked off. And I'm reading that and I'm thinking, are you crazy? You got a crowd gathered there. I don't even understand what you were saying to them. What did you want them to learn? Why would you speak to them in such a way that it would cause them to scratch their heads and most all of them turn and go home? Hey, did you hear Jesus today? Yeah, I heard Jesus. Well, how did it go? I don't know. He's talking about dirt or something. I didn't get it. And it wasn't just the people who had came to hear him, it was his disciples and, and those others outside of the twelve that kind of had a yearning to, to know Jesus and to, to learn from him. And they gathered around him after his Easter message, and the Bible says here in, in, in verse 4, I'm sorry, in verse 9, when his disciples asked him what the parable meant, here's what he said. To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, the secrets are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Oh, what? <laughs> Jesus says, look, look, it's for you to know, there are others that when they hear, when they see me, they... They won't hear. When they hear, they, they won't understand. And the disciples are confused and they're going, 
explain this to us more. Why in the world would you do that? I want to share this with you. I want to suggest this to you. That Jesus is saying to the disciples, listen, I want those who really want to know me to come after me. He's saying, I want to invest in, I want to tend to, I want to speak to those who desire to come after me. They're still having a problem with what he's trying to say. And he says, let me, let me explain to you the parable. Now, here's the parable. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. The seed that's on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, I'm sowing seed. I'm sowing truth. I'm telling people about the kingdom of God. All who will hear, let them hear. Let them come. Some of that seed falls on the sidewalk. That represents the people, they have absolutely no interest in me at all. I, I, I hear you, Dale. It's Easter. I'm here. My mom made me come. My girlfriend made me come. My wife made me come. But look, be honest with you, I'm not interested in Jesus. So, so you don't have to talk so loud. I'm okay. Leave me alone. Everything's good. That's the seed that lands on the sidewalk. That's what that represents. He said, then there's, there's seed that is thrown that lands on rocky soil. That's the people that hear the truth. They hear the word of God and they do this. They go, ooh, 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 ooh. I want that. I want a little bit of Jesus in my life. I can use some Jesus. I got some real problems. And Jesus can help me solve those problems. He says, but when the tough times come, when the sun comes out, because those roots aren't deep, that's in rocky soil, they wither and die. They go away. There are the people who say something like, you know what? If God was real, I wouldn't be going through this. Where is God in my hurt? Where is God in my pain? Where is God in my difficult time? And he said, and then I, I throw some truth out. I throw some seed out on, on, uh, on the weeds. Some of it lands on the weeds. He says, that, that represents the really, really busy person. They're involved in a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, they got family going on, and they got business going on, and they got hobbies going on, and they got relationships going on, and, you know, they got the finances going on, and they got all of this stuff that's going on. And they say, I'll take a little bit of Jesus, because I can see how Jesus can impact all these other areas of my life, and I can see how he would fit in just fine, and I can fit him in, and I'll put Jesus on the same plane as all of these other things, and everything will work out good, I'll take a little bit of Jesus. And then after, after they take a little bit of Jesus, they find out that all of these things begin to choke out Jesus, and they wither, and they produce no fruit at all. And then some seed falls on fertile soil. 
That's the person who seeks after Jesus with all of their heart. That's the person who understands his value. That's the person that says, I'll do anything to get a little bit of Jesus. That's the person who says, you mean he would love me? I want him. Jesus says the seed takes hold in that kind of soil and it sprouts up a great harvest a hundred times what was sown. Oh, Jesus, I think that I'm beginning to understand a little bit now. You're saying that we ought to invest in those people who want to know you, who do anything to be with you, who wants to grow, who wants to learn, who wants to be changed. That's who we should invest in. That's who we should give our lives to. The farmer doesn't water on the sidewalk. The farmer doesn't water on the rocky soil. The farmer doesn't water on the weeds. He waters the good soil. Jesus says, I speak to them in parables because I want those who want me, who want to seek me, who want to know me, who really want the truth, I want them to come after me. I'm not going to spend my time watering the weeds. Jesus, I think, is saying, I'm interested in those who want to know the truth. You know what? I don't do that. I don't teach like Jesus taught. I want to talk about how good he is and how sweet he is and how he wants to be your friend and how he wants to take care of you and how he wants to heal you. All of those things are true, by the way, but we've got to be able to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Jesus speaks the truth. How bad do you want to know the truth? How bad? You know what? Sometimes we don't want to know the truth. I love hot dogs. I love hot dogs. I've been eating them since I was a kid. I still eat them today. You know, I have a lunch appointment. I say, you know, let's go to hot dog heaven. Let's go to hot dog heaven. Let's go to a place that's got good hot dogs. So I do that a lot. And every once in a while, I'll be having lunch with some guy. And you know what he says to me? You know how they make those, don't you? You know what's in those? And I go, no. You want me to tell you? No. I don't want you to invade my world. I don't want you to make me uncomfortable. I like hot dogs. I like everything about hot dogs. I think everybody should eat hot dogs. When I look at hot dogs and those little white specks in there, I think that's vitamins. You want to know something? I don't want to know the truth about hot dogs. I said to somebody last week, my favorite Easter candy is jelly beans. I love jelly beans. And these wonderful people at Avalon Church have inundated me with bags and bags and bags and bags of jelly beans today. And you know what? I'm probably going to eat them all. And I don't need to know what that will do to my teeth. You don't need to tell me what that will do to my teeth. You don't need to tell me what that's going to do to my cholesterol and all that stuff. That's a truth I don't want to know. The reality is that sometimes we don't want to know the truth. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't want to know the truth about God. 
Because just like knowing the truth about those hot dogs, it invades my world. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm fine not knowing that. I'm going to believe what I want to believe. Don't tell me the truth. I want to ask you a question. This is for everybody in the room. I don't care if you're in full-time ministry, you're a pastor, I don't care if you're an atheist, you're just seeking, you're wondering, you're curious, however you would define yourself spiritually, this question is for you, every one of you. Don't respond, but I do want you to think about it. Would you want to know the truth about God, even if it's different from what you currently believe? Would you want to know the truth? What if it's different from the way you were raised? Would you want to know the truth? Would you want to keep believing what you believe even if it's not true? What if it's not true what we hear at every funeral we go to? He's in a better place now. What if that's not true? Would you want to know? Most people's belief systems are based on their desires and not truth. Most people's belief systems are based on what makes them the most comfortable rather than what is truth. In other words, we believe what we want to believe. And oftentimes, we choose not to believe what makes us uncomfortable. Remember Jack Nicholson? You know where I'm going, don't you? You remember A Few Good Men? You remember one of the best lines in all of movie history? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Can you see his face? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Do you want the truth? That's a great line. It's a great question. Can you handle the truth? Do you want the truth? John 8.32 says, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Isn't there this, this kind of comfort or, 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 or this, this refreshing or this freedom that comes when somebody will tell you what they really think? They'll tell you the truth? Too many people in our lives tell us what we want to hear. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know what? I thought I was a good singer since I've been in high school. My best buddy told me I was a really good singer. I found out later he did that because he wanted me to join the choir so we could go on the choir tour together and be roommates. 
So he'd tell me, you're a great singer, you're a great singer, you're a great singer. Well, it ended up being one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. But I've always kind of thought, you know, I'm a good singer. I'm a good, I can sing. I love to sing. And then I got married. And Leanne said, Dale, you, you can't sing. She told the truth. She was honest. I said, come on, man. I, I think I have the right pitch. I think I hit the right notes. I, I, I think I'm, I'm doing this right. And she said, it's nothing to do with the pitch. It's nothing to do with the notes. It just sounds bad. <laughs> Will's falling in right, right in line with her. You know, we're singing in the car, and he looks at me and goes, Dad, that's bad. <laughs> Dad, you, you're a terrible singer. Well, you know what? I need to know that. I'm glad to know that. That's why when I sing now, I sing when I'm alone. <laughs> but there's some, there's some freedom in knowing the truth. We ought to be seekers of truth. We shouldn't, we shouldn't accept or reject truth based on how it makes us feel. We ought to be seekers of truth. It's one of the things that I love about Jesus. He always told the truth. He had to. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he had an opportunity to speak with crowds, he simply told the truth. We see in, in Luke chapter 13, we see another opportunity that he has to speak to a crowd. It's as if he comes to speak at Easter the first time and he kind of messes up. I mean, he gives this dirt story. Nobody understands it, but we're going to give him another chance. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, um, welcome, and, and Jesus, he's going to come, and he's going to bring our Easter sermon to us. And over in Luke 14, we hear his sermon this time. Now great crowds accompanied him as he turned and said to them, here's this Easter sermon, Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What? Jesus has his second chance. He comes out here. And he says, look, you love me more than your own family? No? Well, I'm probably not for you. You love me more than your own life? No? This probably isn't for you. There's some crosses out here. I might invite you to come along and take up one of those crosses and, and follow me up on the hill and, and give your life and be crucified with me. You interested in that? I didn't think so. I think being my follower is not really for you. I mean, he just hits you right between the eyes with truth. He gets up in front of this crowd, and he says, if you don't love me, if I'm not more important than your family, if I'm not more important than your children, if I'm not more important than yourself, if you won't take up your cross, if you won't give your life for me, you can't be my follower. And then he walks off the platform. Truth. As soon as he's off the platform, I'm going to come run up here and I'm going to go, y'all, look, I, I'm so sorry. Sorry you had to hear that. That's no way to have an Easter sermon. 
He didn't butter you up. He didn't tell you about his love. He didn't, he didn't tell you about all that he wanted to do in your life. And I want to apologize for him. I don't think he really knows you. I don't think he knows how important you are. I don't think he knows how good you are. He, 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 he doesn't know that, that, that this is Avalon Park. Maybe he's thinking we're a third world country and, and, and that's the message that they need. But he doesn't know that we love people around here and we care for people around here and we serve people around here. We're good people. We pay our taxes. We drive 25 in Avalon Park. We do all of the right things. I don't, I don't think he understands you. He doesn't know your kids. He hasn't seen your bumper sticker. He doesn't know they're honor students. He doesn't know about your life. I, 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 I'm sorry. He doesn't understand how important you are. Or, maybe, God thinks he's just that great. Maybe God is that great. I want to tell you the truth about God. God knows He is great. He knows He is so great that you should look at Him and go, you would forgive me? You would love me? You would talk to me? You would walk with me? You would give me eternal life? He knows that He's so great that we ought to be pursuing Him. He knows that He's so great that it ought to blow our minds. That He would give us audience. That He would love us. That He would forgive us. That He would give us eternal life. That He would involve Himself in our lives. That He would lead us and guide us. It ought to blow our minds. We ought to be, what do I have to do? Tell me where to go. I'll do anything. What a great, precious gift that is. I'll give up everything. That's more important than anything in my life. I want God. That's seeking God with all your heart. That's the kind of people that He is looking for. I know that this isn't your normal and typical Easter message. But it's the truth. I know that it offends some of you, but that's what the truth does. I know some of you are going to be upset with me about this kind of message on Easter Sunday. And I thought to myself about that. I thought, you know, what are they going to do? Send me an email? <laughs> and to be very honest with you, I'd rather offend you then offend him. The Bible says it this way in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. That's the kingdom of God. 
That's what God is looking for. He's looking for men and women who say, i got to have this treasure no matter what it costs. The kingdom of God is reserved for those who are kind of obsessed with God, obsessed with truth. They want to know Him. They want to be with Him. So obsessed that you might say, I love Him more than I love my family. I love Him more than I love my own life. I love Him more than my job. Just give me the treasure. I want the treasure. It's not for those who would say, yeah, give me a little God in my life. That can't hurt. My kids will need it. They need that kind of morality teaching. And I can fit him in with everything else. I really believe Jesus says to you this morning, I don't think this is for you. God says, don't throw me in with everything else. Listen, folks. I know this is hard. I will not apologize for Jesus' words. But I got to thinking, maybe, maybe I should ask for your forgiveness. For the many, many times I've stood on this platform and I've belittled God by getting up here and begging you to love him. By getting up here and saying, won't you come to church? Won't you join a group? Won't you read your Bible? Won't you pray? Don't you know God loves you? Don't you know? He is God. And it belittles him when it is perceived that I am begging on his behalf. I cheapen him when I do that. The fact of the matter is, the truth is, He is so great, we should be begging Him. I think that's how God feels. I want you to know this morning, I worship a great God. My God is an awesome God. And so forgive me when I, I've made Him sound like some loser upstairs who, who needs me to beg on His behalf. That's not the way Jesus taught. That's not what I see here in this word. Jesus said, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. When you see him as the great treasure that you will pay any price for. Folks, the truth is, is that this relationship with Jesus is a free gift. It's a free gift. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can work for. But I believe, he says, it's not for someone who says, yeah, buddy, I'll take that free gift. Yeah, I'll just put it in the garage with all my other stuff. It's just not for that person. I want you to love Jesus with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. This reminds me of the first message in the church after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead and then ascended to the Father. It was a message preached by Peter. He preached a strong, strong message. And the people's response was something like this. What? That man who died, died for me? That man who died will forgive me? That man who died will give me eternal life? Will free me from the, the fear of death? 
He loves me. I want that at any cost. Peter, tell me, what do I have to do? I want him. I want him in my life. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? I'll pay anything. Peter said, repent. That means get rid of the old life. Just just say, that's not me anymore. That's not me. Let him transform you. Pursue him. Repent. And, And Peter said, and get baptized. Get dunked. Get immersed. See, that was important back then in the first century. It's important today too. But back then in the first century, people were watching to see if you got baptized. There were synagogue people, you know. And if you got baptized, you couldn't come in the synagogue anymore. And there were others that would go and tell your family, he's a follower of Jesus now, and your family would say, we don't want anything to do with you anymore. If you were lucky, all that happened was you lost your job. A lot of people lost their lives. Someone would see them get baptized, and they'd say to their buddy, they're getting baptized, they're a follower of Jesus, let's kill them. You know, we say, you know, repent, leave your old life behind. Come and be baptized. Well, you know, my hair. Yeah, this probably isn't for you. Well, you know, my family. Yeah, this probably isn't for you. They said, let's kill him. You know what their response was? Kill me. I have this great treasure, and I would do anything for it. I think that's who Jesus is seeking. How badly do you want God? He thinks he's great, and I do too. I'm telling you the truth, I'd do anything for him. He wants me to get baptized, I'll do a cannonball back here. Lord, anything, whatever it takes, any price. How badly do you want God? Is He a treasure? Are you ready to give everything up so that you can have relationship with Him? Look, I told you this already. We're a bunch of imperfect people around here at Avalon Church. But we are a people who believe that Jesus is all that you need. We understand that Jesus doesn't solve every problem. Jesus doesn't meet every need. But he always does what is best for us. He knows what is best. He wants what is best. He has power and authority to bring it about in our lives. He desires a relationship with you. You're here this morning, you know, you might say, Dale, for the first time, you know what, I, I think I'm at a place where I want to seek Jesus with all my heart. I would love to sit down and talk with you about that. There are others who might, uh, if you'd like, might, they'd sit down and talk with you about that. You've already filled out this little tear-off thing, put your name and you put an email address on it, and you're going to put that in the offering plate when you leave this morning so that we'll have a record of your attendance, well, you can check on there. I want to know more about this relationship with Jesus. 
I want to know more about the ministries of this church, whatever it is. We have learned here at Avalon Church that when we worship God, it's about Him and not us. It's about Him and not us. We're, we're committed to keeping Him first. It's not about growing the attendance roles. It's about honoring Him. We're here. We're here for you. If you're a seeker of Jesus, if you want more information, if you hadn't decided yet, we're here. We're here for you. Let me invite you to stand. If I could have anything that I wanted, I would want every person that came to Avalon Church today to fall in love with Jesus. But I don't have the words to say to make you to do that. But I can pray and ask God to work on the soil that is our hearts and make it the kind of soil that is receptive to His truth. That He would give us a desire for Him. Lord Jesus, today we celebrate you. We celebrate your power. We celebrate your authority. We celebrate your kingship. We celebrate your victory over death and sin. There is none like you. We worship you. We lift you up. We exalt you. We ask, Lord, this of you today. Do a work on the soil of our hearts. Make it rich fertile soil that readily accepts and receives the seed that is your word and your truth. Use it to transform our lives, not for us, but for your glory is our prayer in Jesus' name.